0: Welcome to The Struggle is Real, a show for 20 somethings that are trying to figure out adulting. I'm your host, Justin Peters. Each episode, we focus on solving a problem that we will face throughout this defining decade that wasn't covered in the classroom. This could include topics about our career, health, relationships, and money. Let's get into it. One of the best experiences in my 20s has been living on my own. Sure, I have to buy my own groceries, and dirty dishes aren't magically going to disappear but moving out of my parents' house gave me the challenge to start figuring things out on my own. One thing that I do miss about mom and dad's though is all the space in their house. My tiny apartment doesn't compete with my parents' spacious Midwest suburban home. There's no garage or basement, let alone a spare kitchen cabinet for any excess stuff. This has forced me to live small and stay organized. If you're someone who believes that you're just not an organized person, my guess is gotta change that mindset. Joining me today is Lucy Milligan-Wall, founder of LMW Edits. After completing her MBA and wanting a career change, Lucy asked her friends and family what she was good at. The common answer? Organizing. Lucy ran with that idea and started her own boutique professional organizing company, where she provides common sense organizing solutions to modern urban living. AKA, she helps us city dwellers make the most of our small space. By listening to this episode, you'll get advice on managing paper in the digital world, creating a system to keep your bathroom organized, solving the Tupperware crisis, and more. Let's get into it. I hope you enjoy my conversation with the Ski Patroller, go-to shopping companion, and organized home cheerleader, Lucy Milligan-Wall. This is an interesting topic. Haven't covered anything even close to this on the podcast, so I'm excited to talk all things organization with you you grew up in a super organized home from what it sounds like and you find a lot of comfort and order so paint the picture for me um tell me about something outrageously organized that you did as a kid
1: uh well the one i always go back to is i love organizing everything and so when i would get a new box of crayons or markers or whatever the first thing i do dump them all out put him in that rainbow order, the, the Roy G. Biv order, and put him back in the box that way. So yeah, it just, it just makes me feel good.
0: Did they not come in an order already? Like some kind of organized? No, fashion?
1: they're kind of random. Mm-hmm.
0: And you didn't like, like that, huh? Of,
1: no, if you think of those Crayola boxes that have like 64 in them, it's sort of mix and match. Mm-hmm.
0: When did you, when did you realize that you were super organized? Did you move in with a roommate or go to friends' houses and something kind of clicked?
1: I would say probably when I went to boarding school, I went to boarding school for high school and then living with various other people and having roommates and all that, you kind of see, oh, there's a difference. Like people live in different ways and have different habits and okay, that's interesting.
0: (laughs) Mm, That's, and then mom and dad both really organized like outrageously things like, like I know for. In my family, too, I grew up in a really orderly fashion as well, like you would leave anything out um, in like the living room or kitchen and it's at the bottom step, you got to bring it upstairs next time you walk upstairs kind of thing so shoes or um, textbook or anything like that very similar environment.
1: Yeah, very similar. My dad is the organized one. He's the one who drives all the organizing systems. Um, and it was definitely like the second you're done with something, it has to go back. Like in our house, there was no, like build a Lego house and like, leave it out for a while. It was like, you done with that? Okay. Take it down, put it away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So do you subscribe to the whole concept? Like everything has its place?
1: I do. Um, that's how I grew up and it just makes everything so easy. Like there's no question, you know, it's not like you pick something up and you're like, what do I do with this? I don't even know. I'll just put it back down. It's just, there's always an automatic answer and you don't even have to think about it.
0: So when something new comes into the home, um, does it naturally find its place or are you thinking about it whenever you bring it in? Where, where where's this thing got to live?
1: I mean, if it's like things you already have, it's pretty easy. Cause then it just goes with its friends. Um, but if it's something brand new, you do kind of have to think about it, but that's, that's more things that are like lifestyle changes. So you're sure. already thinking about how am I going to incorporate this into my lifestyle? Like if you're getting gear for a new hobby, you're going to have to figure out a new place to store that stuff. So,
0: hmm. yeah, that totally makes sense. So what about if I just told you that I'm not an organized person? I'm sure you hear that a lot. What is your response to that?
1: Uh, my response to that is usually, well, there isn't really such thing as an organized person because or, being organized is not a personality trait. Um, you can like certain types of environments. Like you can gravitate towards a very clear, uh, minimal space. You can gravitate towards a warmer, more crowded, more colorful space, but there are organized versions of all different kinds of aesthetics. So when someone says, I'm not a more, I'm not an organized person, What they really mean is I don't know how to organize my space Mm. in the way that works for me. So I always tell people organizing is not rocket science. Anyone can learn how to do it and it can be adapted for anyone's needs. You just have to actually like do that to, to learn those skills and to implement them. So, um, I think organized person isn't really a thing and we sort of, we sort of, um, count ourselves short if we, if we say that.
0: Yeah that makes sense. So is there concepts within inside of like this space that that you can start learning the skill of organization?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the, one of the main ones is just like being critical about your stuff. Is this something I need? Is this something I use? Is this something I love? And if it's not, being willing to get rid of it. And I think that's that's a muscle that most people have not really developed. Um, and that really, really helps. Like, for example, I started cleaning up my closet at least once a year when I was like 14. (laughs) Mm. So I just started saying, you know what? I don't need all this stuff. This is, this is crowding my space. Like, so I'd get it all out in a pile and I'd bring all my friends in and say, take whatever you want. I don't want this anymore. Um, because it just, it clears out and it helps you stay organized. And that's just something that doesn't occur to a lot of people to even do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's definitely how I work. I am one of those people that after I take a shower in the morning, I have to come into my room and tidy up my room, make the bed. And then once I start doing all of those things, my brain starts clicking. It's like, okay, we're ready to go. Here we go. So, um, but if if things are out of place or, you know, if friends are in town and and things are just a little bit more disorganized, like I feel very cluttered or foggy in my own brain
1: yeah it's it's funny how um your your environment really affects how you think and I think sometimes people underestimate that. I think if you're used to being in clutter and you're used to not being very organized, you kind of don't know how much better it could be. I mean that's kind of what the reason I think of being organized as kind of a secret weapon in a way. it just it lets you do more with less in a in a strange way so.
0: Yeah. And I've heard you talk about the fact that it is your superpower. Like you went to Mm -hmm. a competitive um, MBA program. You looked around, you saw all these smart people and it light bulb clicked for you. Like, Hey, this is my secret weapon. This is how I stay at the same energy level or octane as some of the other people around here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, and that's kind of why I wanted to start my business because I thought there are so many people that I've met that I know that are incredibly smart, super driven, like have fascinating things to contribute. Imagine what more they could do if they weren't sort of being held back by their living space and needing to manage that and spend a lot of energy on that. Um, I think, and I think that applies to everyone. It's it's possible for life to be just a little bit easier um, than it, than it already is.
0: Hmm. So I I think we're dancing around this question, but like, why should someone be, should care about being organized? Is this just being more productive and getting more out of their time?
1: Um, That's part of it. I, what the, the, the thing that I like to say about why you should get organized is because clutter and disorganization just saps all your resources, all your most important resources, your non-renewable resources. So it's like your time. It just, takes your time like whether or not you want to be super productive with your time or not the fact is that being disorganized wastes your time it wastes your energy I mean you know you you feel differently when you know that there are lots of things that you should be doing and that's often what clutter is is things that you need to do should do want to do Um, and also it, um, it's extremely stressful. And even if you don't realize it. So there's there's research that's been done um, that shows that cl- just being around clutter increases your cortisol levels. That's the stress hormone. Um, and so what that does is just make you feel like you're being stressed by anything else, which is bad for your heart. It's bad for your gut. It's, it's not great. And so even if you don't necessarily acknowledge Consciously that you feel stressed out in a cluttered space—it's happening anyway.
0: Hmm. Yeah, and I thought a good analogy that I heard you um, mention—I don't know if you remember this analogy that you gave or not—was the cake for cake frosting versus the cake. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Do you remember that?
1: I sure do. Yeah, it's 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 funny because sometimes when people are talking to me what about what I do, or even if I'm talking to maybe a potential client, they'll say, "You know what? I really want to get organized." But um, I just have to wait until something. So I have to wait until summer vacation. I have to wait until after the holidays. I have to wait until the kids go back to school. I have to wait until, you know, this next project at my job is done. And what is so, like, kind of sad to me about that is getting organized will help you do those things. It'll help you get through those milestones. It's organizing is not the frosting on top of the cake. It's actually the platform that holds everything up. So with an organized space, you're able to do all of, all of that so much more easily.
0: Yeah. Cool. No, I think that really sets the tone for this conversation. Um, something else I want to do is maybe speed around a few tips or um, strategies around a few certain areas. So we can kind of move around totally. the house. I'll give you something um, and you just give me a quick soundbite on what you think, some general thoughts on this problem or this area. Okay. Sure. Sounds good. What about closet. So you're speaking to 20, 20 something. So um, yeah. e- either we're um, working out of our um, childhood room closet, probably using that space as well, especially if we're still in our hometown, or we're in a really small space with a really small closet. Um, what are some general um, tips or strategies around maximizing that space?
1: Yeah, totally. With closets, um, go minimal, go vertical. So for example, Even slimline hangers give you a lot more space using hooks on the wall, like command hook, like nothing you have to install, just like stick it on the wall. That's great for stuff. Um, I love a shoe rack gets your shoes off the floor. Again, that allows you to go vertical. Um, and then on shelves, you can use like really inexpensive shelf risers to double your vertical space that way. Um, but with closets, I always say, do not keep anything that doesn't make you feel awesome when you wear it, Hmm. because why? what, why would you, (laughs) and that, and that, and that just helps you get dressed every day because all of your options are good. It's not the, I have nothing to wear problem.
0: Yeah. Um, and I, I guess that goes back to your, as you mentioned earlier, these like semi-annual closet edits that you did at at 14. So how does someone do a closet edit, or How do you do your closet edits?
1: Um, the way I do it is I sort of go category by category and just look through everything and like gut check. Like, how do I feel about this? Am I excited to wear it? If not, maybe it's time for it to move on. It's mm. it's pretty simple. I don't like to use a lot of rules because I really think that everybody has a pretty good idea of what they like to wear and what their personal style is. And if you tune into that, the process actually becomes very easy. And I see this with my clients. The first couple of decisions, they're like hemming and hawing, like, I don't know, it goes with this and I bought it and it was expensive. And, and then by the like 10th thing, they're like, nope. Out of here, I hate it.
0: <laughs> mm. Yeah, it's kind of like getting some momentum going, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I'm currently going through. I heard that like the tip of flipping your hangers around, and then whenever yeah, you pull them off, <laughs> you don't like that rule.
1: <laughs> Do not like that one. I'll tell you why. Yeah. It Um, it'll tell you what you wear often. It won't tell you what you love.
0: Mm. And
1: sometimes people wear things they hate often because they're just in the habit of doing it. And I, you know, I sort of liken it to like you know, people may have six pairs of jeans, but they only wear two. And so why do you have the other four? <laughs> and sometimes the ones you're wearing aren't even the ones you like. There's, there's this thing that we do, especially in our twenties. I did this too, where you save your nice stuff yeah, because you can't afford much. And when you do happen upon something really nice, you want to keep it nice. And you want to save it. And then you never wear it. And then maybe you own it so long it goes out of style or you no longer actually like it. And then why did you even have it in the first place? So, um, you know, of course take care of your things, but also wear the things that make you feel good and, and not the ones you're trying to like use up or, or substitute.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm really bad about that with shoes. Like I'll have Mm. like a primary pair of shoes and then I'll get a new pair of shoes. I'm really excited to wear, but like, I don't want to get like the white sneakers dirty. So they'll (laughs) sit in my closet for like four months without being touched, being like, I'm going to use these or wear these at a certain time. And then I destroy the primary pairs of shoes. And then I pull the other ones out and I finally start wearing them. And then within like three weeks, they're destroyed as well. And I no longer care about them. And then the cycle repeats.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, that that's extremely relatable. Um, Pro tip for white sneakers. Um, Mr. Clean Magic Eraser on the soles.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Those things are handy for so many different things. They
1: are right. I'm not really a cleaning type of person. I'm the kind of person who like, as long as everything is in order, I can handle a little dust, Mm -hmm. but you pick up tips here and there. And that one's a good one.
0: Yeah, that is a good one. So um, let's get out of the closet and step into the bedroom. Now Uh, for many of us over the last year, our bedroom has now taken another priority, which is our home office. So how do we create separation between the bedroom and the home office?
1: Yeah. So this is another, this is a place where you can sort of use the structure that you put in place as a nudge. So you you give yourself a nudge to, okay, now's the work day. And then now is time to leave. So if you have space, it's great to use a desk because then the desk can be like, that's where the work happens and nothing else happens. And that can give you the separation. Sometimes your room is too small and you don't have space. You need to work on a little table or on your lap or something. Um, and in that case, I kind of recommend that people do a portable office. So maybe something as simple, like a tray that you already have, and it'll fit your laptop. It'll fit like your notepad, maybe your, your water bottle. So then when you're done with it, at the end of a day, you can close the laptop, put the tray somewhere else. And then it's not all up in your face. Cause for most of us, if you can work from home, there's not actually a lot of stuff you need to work. Everything's kind of on your computer. So you've got computer peripherals, maybe a notepad, that's kind of it. It's not like you need this plethora of office supplies. So um, a mobile office you can put away at the end of the day can can really help.
0: Hmm. I'm assuming you've had a ton of conversations about home offices over the last year.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, because especially with my clients who are a little bit older, Their home office was really just a dumping ground (laughs) before the pandemic. It was like, Mm -hmm. well, I've got some files in there, but really it's just like, if we don't know where to put it, it goes in there. So having to get people to set up to actually think about like, oh, I have to work in here. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That's been interesting.
0: Yeah. So um, on that note, what about paper? Like, how do we manage paper in this digital world? What is the system that we could put in place to, you know, for me, I... (laughs) There's very few things that I really need paper-wise, and I'm really struggling whenever I get the semi-annual insurance um, Mm -hmm. um, proposal in the mail or this notification about some kind of tax bill or something like that. How do I manage this paper piece?
1: Yeah, so... Paper is interesting because until relatively recently, if it came in the mail on paper, that meant it was probably important. And we still kind of think that way. So it's it's back to being critical and thoughtful about why we keep stuff as opposed to just having an automatic default of it's paper from the bank, I should keep it. Um, but I like to tell my clients, it's sort of a three-tier process. There's only three options for a piece of paper that comes in your house, right? One, it's an action item, you gotta do something with it two, you're going to need it as a record or three, it's trash. Mm. That's, that's it. Those are the only options. And so you can kind of manage that by making sure that you sort things as soon as they come in. I like to, um, give people a tray like on their desk or their primary workspace, yep. just put the action items in there. Cause then it's, it's in front of your eyeballs <laughs> and you'll remember to do it as opposed to like, you, if you put it in a drawer, it's, it's all over. Um, and then having a small edited filing system for those long-term records. So most adults need less than one file drawer worth of worth of files for their personal lives, Um, probably less at this point. But there are some things you need, you know, like all of your identity information, if you're married or marriage certificate, um, tax information, um, if you are lucky enough to own a home or a car, the titles for that and mortgage stuff that needs to be in hard copy. But pretty much everything else you don't need to keep. So
0: no. do, you, yeah. do you have a list of those, those pieces of paper handy? Cards? I
1: don't, um, there are lots available online, okay. um, but I always encourage people to like, use that as a starting point, make sure it's good for your life. Because for, you know, for example, if you have, if you have your own business, the tax requirements or the insurance requirements for your business might be different than for personal. Um, and you want to get, some good info for your specific situation. Um, Yeah, I always tell people, I have a rule of thumb, but please check with a professional.
0: (laughs) So fair, so fair. And have you dived into the digital organizing space at all? Do you help people set that stuff up?
1: I can. Yeah. I actually work with, um, an IT consultant here in San Francisco and we sort of like tag team on projects like that. So he can like set up the system and then I can help people do the actual, like organizing and filing because I'm pretty tech savvy, but I don't want to put myself in the position of recommending software to people because I just, I'm not up on the latest. I'm, you know, I, I use Google for everything, Google docs, and that's kind of where I'm at. So, um, but yeah, I can absolutely help people think through the process. And I think What is interesting about digitizing your records is you want to apply the same filter to digital records as you do to paper, because digitizing stuff takes a lot of time. (laughs) Like sitting there and scanning it is just, it's, it's slow. And if you pay for it, if you outsource it, it can add up. So, you know, you want to be, you want to have a system digitally, as well as in the real world, because a computer just full of Random uncategorized stuff isn't going to help you either.
0: Hmm. That's fair. Um, let's step out of the bat out of the bedroom and move into the bathroom. Um, i I don't see it as often with men, but we also probably struggle with this as well. but it's like the shove everything under the sink and it's all kind of craziness and then there might be a, a pull out like behind the mirror or a drawer that you, you keep some things in and you're not really sure what's. What's like your general strategy when entering the bathroom?
1: Yeah, in the bathroom, especially I tend to take a two tier system. So you have the stuff you're actively using and you have backstock Mm -hmm. and especially with people who are into skincare or into makeup, they tend to have a lot of multiples of things. And that's where it can get cluttered. If you have six different possibilities for what face lotion you're going to use today, that, that clutters your space and it kind of clutters your mind because it's not easy and automatic. So I recommend that people sort of put what they use together and make that really accessible. So maybe that's your medicine cabinet, maybe it's your drawer and then have an area where you start back stock So when you run out of something, you just grab something from there. I think a lot of the bathroom organizing issues happen when current use and unopened stuff gets mixed together and you can't tell what's what anymore.
0: Hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with that. And then I'm also like really bad about the whole medicine thing. I've been trying to at least have now a medicine bag versus just like, it's all kind of over all over the place. But now I have organized bag for here's dentistry, here's medicine, here's shampoo conditioner. (laughs) Um, Yeah,
1: that's great. Yeah. I mean, it depends on your space, what kind of containers you can use, but storing by category is super helpful.
0: Yeah, yeah. For sure, Um, and I'm on the move a ton too. So I've Mm. been in nine different places over the last 10 years. So I've learned learned to live small and to be portable pretty quickly, um, to pick up and and go. So maybe that's a different line of thinking for some people, but I often see a lot of 20 year olds are picking up and moving every year, two years, maybe three years, and maybe not just down the block, but to a new city or to a new country as a whole how would you think about someone that is maybe in that stage of their life more so than somebody that might have a place for the next 10 years?
1: Yeah, I know that's definitely a different mindset. I think the more mobile you are, the more carefully you have to think about what's really important because, you, I mean, as you know, trying to move with a ton of stuff is a pain and it's expensive. Um, so for people who are super mobile, I definitely recommend um, really minimizing thoughtfully. And then also any organization solutions that you use, make sure that they're very flexible and very portable. So instead of being like, I'm going to buy like a bunch of baskets. Well, baskets are big (laughs) and they're kind of unwieldy. And if they don't, and if they might fit this shelf, but they might not fit the shelf in your next apartment. So thinking about more like, should I use bags? Should I use just like very minimal storage that will fit anywhere? Um, And in general. I tend to like minimal containerizing anyway. I'm not a huge fan of the like, you know, row of labeled containers strategy. Cause that just means you don't see what's in the containers and then it becomes as if you don't even own that stuff. So I, you know, minimal is my thing anyway, but especially if you're on the move, that's important.
0: Yeah. And I think you mentioned like almost two different mindsets. Like there's the people with like the mental map and they know where everything is. And then there's like the visual people. Am I getting this right?
1: Yeah, that's how I think of it. There's probably a more elegant way to describe it, but basically it's, do you like your cabinets closed or do you need to see everything? And people kind of tend to fall in one of two camps and you can be organized either way, by the way. not One of these is not better than the other. I mean, I've seen people who like their cabinets closed, whose house looks gorgeous. You open a cabinet and it's abject disaster inside. That's not mm-hmm. organized. That's just shoved into a cabinet. And you know, you can have a person who's an out of sight, out of mind person who needs to see everything and everything can be beautifully organized and labeled and they have no clutter, but you can just see everything. So, you know, they, they're just two different ways of looking at the world. They're not like one is good and one is bad.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of cabinets to the kitchen cabinets can be a disaster for this age group of people, myself in particular. I'm like waiting for the day where I can actually buy sets of everything so uh, it like yeah. stacks the right way, but um, it is what it is. We have mismatched match forks, we have cups from all the different bars that we've been to. Yeah. Um, we have those two bowls from that roommate that ended up leaving, and these three, and I lost the one there. Um, and a, a disaster place for sure is Tupperware. So, um, how do you go about uh, solving the, the Tupperware crisis?
1: <laughs> the Tupperware crisis. Yeah. Food storage containers, especially now with everybody getting so much takeout and they come in those plastic containers. You're like, oh, I'll save that to use for food storage. And then suddenly you have 90,000 food storage containers. Just, just me. I don't know. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> um, me, too. But yeah. <laughs> Yeah. It's, it's all about like, what do you actually need in your life? So especially for like acquiring those, um, pint glasses that come from everywhere. How many glasses do you need in your life? Are you having people over all the time? Do you need lots or is it just kind of like you and your roommate and you guys are pretty quiet. And if you're going to socialize, you go out because especially in your twenties, when you're not buying sets of things, reducing the numbers to only what you need makes things look more organized. It just is kind of the way it works. A little, a little space and a little lining things up makes it look like stuff matches. Um, so getting the quantity right. And then also making sure that, especially with Tupperware, you make sure every container has a lid and every lid has a container. Sounds super basic, but I can't tell you how many times I'm going through somebody's kitchen drawer and I'm like, you know, these don't match. Like we should, we should toss these. And they're like, are you sure? Maybe it's somewhere. (laughs) Um, So that's, that's step one. Also, quite frankly, if stuff looks gross, we don't want to use it. It's just the way the human brain works. We like new, we like shiny, we like pretty. And so even with something as dumb as Tupperware, you know, the newest stuff is going to be what you're going to use. So if it's, if it's damaged, you want to throw it out. Um, and, and then, yeah, taking it down to an amount that is realistic for your lifestyle based on how you cook, how often you order food, how much food you make at a time when during the year, do you make more or less food? So those questions can also inform how much you need.
0: Yeah, that's, that's interesting. Um, and I love that you always bring it back to functionality too. I think that's a great place for people to start whenever they're thinking about organizing their own space. Any other general thoughts or concepts or strategies when someone's like, I know I need to get this organized. Um, what few questions do you maybe ask your own clients or what questions can they been, be asking themselves before tackling some kind of space?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like the fa- the five main questions that we always ask about anything, right? Like, what is this? First of all, identify the object. I mean, if you can't identify it at all, for example, if you have a cord and you're like, I don't know what this goes to, then you probably don't need it. I always tell people, if you can't identify it, it's as if it doesn't exist, basically. So what is it? Where do I use it? So where in the house? Where in this room? What, what do I, and then what do I use it with? So what things need to be together? Um, why do I use it? What are, what are the use cases, basically? How often? Um, So these are the kind of questions that I ask about stuff. And when I'm with a client, especially um, in person, my high-end clients, I'll ask those questions about everything. I mean, it gets exhausting, but I always tell them, you know, this is what I'm here for. It's my responsibility to ask you these questions to get you thinking, because that's what helps us create the organizing system. I, I can't create an organizing system with no context. That's just make, putting stuff in containers and labeling it. That's not organizing. organized hmm. thing. Um, so in order to create a system for somebody, I need to know the answers to those questions. And it, it gets you thinking, and it really makes you realize what's important, what you really need, and how, and how to store it together rather than just like, I don't know, just shove it in a box somewhere.
0: <laughs> <laughs> true, true. Um, we talked about unnecessary paper, the cords that don't go to anything. Anything else that you typically find people holding on to way too much of?
1: Um, yes, uh, mugs, like (laughs) decorative mugs that came as gifts. See that a lot mugs and and pint glasses. Like we're talking about, um, I see, especially older clients holding on to a lot of bank and credit card statements, which the bank just prints that and mails it to you. You don't need it. Mm -hmm. Um, I see a lot of memorabilia that is not related to you like old family stuff or stuff that, you know, relates to stuff that you did when you were younger, but you're not, you don't find it personally significant, but you just find like, I don't know, maybe I'll want this someday. And especially for people in their twenties, your parents are starting to think about offloading that stuff on you. Like they're holding it in their house. And as soon as they think they can, they're going to shove it on you. And then you're just going to be like, I don't even know what to do with this so that 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 I see a lot from both sides I see it in the parents houses and I see it in the kids houses
0: and and on that note too what about the parents that are you move into your new space buy your first home whatever it may be and the parents that just keep giving you things that you don't need either their own things or they're buying you things and it just doesn't really line up um what how can people communicate with their parents or set expectations what what's the What's the crux of this and what's the solution to that crux?
1: Yeah. So now with the disclaimer that I am 100% not a therapist and just thinking about this from an organizing angle, um, I th- I think the important thing to recognize is that the act of gift giving is different than the gift, like we separate those two so like your parents are sending you stuff because they care about you they're worried about you you moved away from home, they can't protect you anymore, they miss you, you know and a and a gift for a lot of people is a love language it's a way to show love. Um, but that said, the stuff they can send can sometimes be like, I I don't have room for this. This isn't something I would use. I don't even like this. So I think it helps to separate the gift from the act of gift giving and sort of recognize where it comes from. And that can make it easier to start to deal with. And then I recommend, I mean, in all, in all contexts, but especially this one level with people, just say, Hey, like, can I give you a tour of my house on FaceTime? Like, I literally don't have a place to put this stuff. <laughs> like, let me show you how small my teeny tiny apartment in a city is. Because for parents, think about it. They, they were in this phase once, but it's been a while. <laughs> mm-hmm. They don't remember what this is like. For them, life has more bedrooms. It maybe has more than one bathroom in a house. It has a yard. It probably has a garage. And so they're just not able to conceive of what your life looks like in a very small, often shared space. So yeah, level with them. And, you know, there's always being clear about what's going to really happen with the stuff. I mean, I do this with my clients all the time. Like, I'm going to tell you, honestly, if you buy too much stuff, It is going to go to the landfill. It is not going to go to Goodwill because it's going to fall apart. So think about how you buy stuff. And it's the same with gifts. You can say to your parents, hey, look, like, thank you. I appreciate it. I appreciate that you're thinking of me. But the fact is, I'm just going to donate or trash this stuff. Like, that's what's going to happen. Doesn't mean I love you any less, but that's what I have to do to maintain my space. Um, And something I suggest for people who are in the position of being this giver, who who show their love in this way, there's sort of an intermediate step. If you see something that makes you think of that person you love and you want to give it to him, snap a quick picture and text it to them. And based on their response, decide whether or not you'll buy it. So if they say, oh, ha ha, that's so funny, don't buy it. (laughs) If they say, oh my God, I would love that so much. Hey, buy it and send it to him. You you got got your get out of jail free card. So Mm, yeah.
0: Yeah, we'll leave that one there. I think I specifically asked that for my girlfriend, so hopefully her parents aren't oh. listening. But <laughs> they're
1: victorious
0: <laughs> gift givers, um, and uh, they yes. do so great at it. Uh, but it comes in such volume that you're not going to hit, you know, a home run every single time.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I think a lot of people struggle with this, and especially when people start to have kids, that happens too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a struggle.
0: So you mentioned the landfill. Um, we've gone through the edits, we've gotten organized. We have all of this stuff now that we're trying to get rid of. How do, what's your recommendations for getting rid of some of these items um, that are no longer gonna serve you while keeping that stuff out of the landfill?
1: Yeah, so we, obviously there's a hierarchy, right? We'd like to resell our stuff because it makes us feel good to realize, oh, I'm getting some money back for this and this decision to get rid of it was a good one. And it's, and it's going to live on. And it's, it has value to somebody else. Um, I definitely recommend that people consider carefully the value of their time when they're deciding whether or not to sell something, because most of the ways to sell things that are the most effective, that will give you the most money require the most effort. So this is like eBay. This is like Poshmark. This is like Facebook marketplace, that kind of stuff. And if you're going to get a good chunk of change for it totally worth it. If you're really, really busy and the stuff isn't worth all that much, it may not be worth your time to try to sell. And I will say the interesting thing is this doesn't come up as much for people in their twenties, maybe with fashion items. Um, it's more for sort of older people, but, um, stuff does not have resale value the way you think it will. It really does not matter what you paid for something originally. It only matters if people want that thing right now. So, you know, you can sell used designer shoes for, a shocking amount of money and you cannot get rid of beautiful antique silver flatware for anything. Mm. So it, it really depends on what the item is and sometimes it takes some research. So selling is always an option. Um, and I do that personally, I recommend it to my clients, um, especially uh, services like ThreadUp, where you can just like send a bunch of stuff in a bag and they deal with it. Um, then of course there's donation which is my favorite because it's easiest and fastest. Um, And I always say with donation, just make sure that anything you're trying to donate is in good enough condition that another human being would want to use it and maybe even pay like a dollar for it. Um, because realistically that's going to happen. It's going to go to a thrift store Um, because if it is not worth selling on the thrift store shelf, then you're wasting the nonprofit's time because the people have to go through and sort it. They're not going to clean something. They're not going to repair it. If it's broken or it's dirty, it goes in the trash. Um, So for donation, I particularly love Goodwill um, for a lot of reasons. I think that it's a great organization. What they do is job training. So sometimes I have people get bristly about the fact that goodwill resells their stuff. Well, the reason they resell it is to make money for their job training programs. And they train people who otherwise would find it very difficult to get jobs. People with um, cognitive disabilities, um, people with physical disabilities, um, all kinds of people who are sort of left behind in our communities. So I think it's a great organization and they take most everything, which is great. So it can be one-stop shopping. And when you're busy, one-stop shopping is great. And then, of course, we can recycle anything we can. Right. So depends on where you live. I happen to live in San Francisco. Our local waste management company is Recology, and they have a ton of programs for recycling stuff that usually couldn't be recycled like you can recycle fabric, you can recycle batteries um, all kinds of stuff, but you do need to do a little bit of research with your local company and see what they will take and what the method is. Cause sometimes it's not just throw it in the blue bin. Sometimes it's, you need to put it a little baggy on top. (laughs) So a little bit of research will allow you to do a lot more recycling.
0: So if, um, you know, obviously, you know, the San Francisco area well, but you're working with one of your remote clients, um, you go about that by Googling the waste management companies. Yeah,
1: yeah, just go to their website and they, they usually have a very comprehensive list of what they accept and don't accept and the methods because it's in their best interest to let you do all that because then they'll get to recycle that stuff. Yeah. Um, that said, there are categories that many localities do not recycle at all. And unfortunately, one of them is plastic. So I always want to tell people if it's got the little triangle on it, that means it can be recycled. It doesn't mean that it will. Yeah. So, you want to check with your local company to see if they do, in fact, actually recycle plastic.
0: Yeah. And that's a bummer. We've, we've talked yeah. on the show about plastic before. Um, yeah. It's a, it's a crisis. We need to figure that out, but um, that is not for this conversation. Right. <laughs> I do want to spend um, our, our last few minutes here talking about organizing with others. So many of us in our 20s do not live on our own. We are living with roommates and or living with our significant other. So how do we go about that process? Say I'm moving in with somebody new, how would you start to um, create boundaries or set up systems, or I don't even know where to start with this. Like I'm, I'm the, I'm Lucy. I'm super organized. I'm particular about how I, I, um, like my environment. What would you be doing if you were moving in with someone new?
1: Yeah, um, I think the main important thing is to actually talk about stuff instead of just assuming that everybody's an adult in the room and can handle their own business, because we all handle our business in different ways. And those different ways are what cause upset, right? So it's not about like one of you is good and one of you is bad. It's just like you have to find a way to work together. So I especially recommend that couples do this because we often default into gender roles, which if that general works for you, great, but I wouldn't assume that it will like, you know, you, you hear of like moving in together and then all of a sudden the woman is like, why am I cooking every meal? This is weird. I didn't used to do this. Mm -hmm. Um, and it doesn't happen because anybody's trying to make anybody do anything else. It's just sort of, you, you fall into the default assumptions that you grew up with. Um, so I recommend that people talk about tasks, whether you make a schedule or whether you just say like i do this you do that just make sure it gets done all of those are good solutions it's just you need to talk about it Um, and in terms of stuff and clutter i definitely recommend sort of dividing the space so you know who's responsible for what so like for example if you're a couple and you're in a one bedroom or studio and you share a closet um really dividing the closet doesn't have to be in half depends on who has more stuff but this is my space, this is your space. Because when stuff mixes, that's when we get kind of a vacuum of responsibility of like, well, it's kind of both of ours. So maybe I'll just wait until you take care of it. Mm-hmm. And you do all of this unconsciously, by the way, like I'm not trying to call anybody out for being a terrible person or a terrible partner. It's just what we do because we're humans and we're just trying to get through life. Um, so if you give yourself those boundaries and those responsibilities actively rather than passively, it really helps to get things on the right foot from the beginning.
0: Yeah. I really love the zone idea and, you know, Hey, you cover living room, I'll cover kitchen or whatever it may be. As long as there's some communication about it, because you're right. Yeah. Especially the shared spaces with roommates I have found fall apart. If there isn't some clear communication around how the processes are going to get done, unloading dishes, being usually one of the most stereotypical ones. And it's that's actually really fascinating. And you've you've talked about this before too, some of these things that we automatically assume, like um, how the dishwasher's got to get loaded, what is going into the dishwasher versus what isn't going into the dishwasher. I've lived with so many roommates now, 20 plus roommates that I've figured this out and learned that that is something that is like this this tension point. Um, but I didn't know that the first few people I lived with, I just, you know, I just kind of did how we did it at my parents' house. <laughs> Same yeah. with towels. You, you mentioned that's
1: what everyone does. <laughs> you,
0: you mentioned towels as well. Like some people use a, a different towel every, every single time they dry off at oh. in the shower. Some people use a towel for a week. Um, and therefore that there's some strategy involved in that as well. Do, does, do the towels need to be right next to the the shower or do the towels need to be in a closet outside of the bathroom? So yeah, it's super interesting to think about. I think we're bringing, like, we're coming on the end of this conversation here. So I would love just to give people that that um, general advice of where do I start if I know my spaces needs a little bit of decluttering.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, I would say the place to start is just with something small. So, if for example, if your kitchen is bugging you, start with one drawer. And the reason that I say this is because. It gives you a limit and a way to focus a lot of times where people go wrong and trying to get organized is they try to bite off more than they can chew and get really tired and overwhelmed and stop halfway through, and then never come back to the project because it was so tiring and overwhelming. Mm. So little baby chunks. And even when I work with clients, I am constantly redirecting people back to the area that we're working in because it's so easy to be like, I'm looking at this drawer. I'm looking at this drawer. Oh my God, the cabinet is so messy. What am I going to do? Oh my God, the fridge. Oh my God. <laughs> and get really distracted. It's like, It's Nope, we're back here. We're just, we're just right here. This is where we are right now. <laughs> so piece by piece, um, just step by step. Yeah. And there are tons of resources out there too. Um, uh don't get paralyzed by doing too much research. This is, again, this is not rocket science. Like this is not something you have to, you know, find a guru and follow them. Like, please don't use me as a guru. That would be really weird. Weird. (laughs) Um, You know, you just need to just start slowly and, and optimize for your own life.
0: And don't run out to the container container store before the, you even start a project. Oh God.
1: (laughs) No, <laughs> no, please don't, please don't. I don't let my my clients go to the container store without me. Um, it's, it's very overwhelming. And there are so many things that you need to keep in mind when you're creating an organizing system and using containers that most people don't think of. Like I measure everything 12 times and I draw it out and I like mock it up and I'm in the store, like literally like moving stuff around. Like, can I do this? So yeah, just like going that baskets. Pretty is not going to work. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. Well, Lucy, this has been a pleasure. Um, you're a wealth of knowledge. If people are wanting to stay connected with you, you're easy to find your website is lmwedits.com. That's lmwedits.com. Uh, same on all the social. So Instagram, YouTube, Twitter, Pinterest, LMW edits, anywhere else that you would like to direct people to?
1: Um, that's pretty much it. Um, on my website, there's some stuff for people to find. I've been blogging since 2015. Um, so yeah, you can go all the way back to when I first started my organizing career. Um, and um, I also have some free resources on my website, um, recordings of webinars that I've done, um, some free printables you can download. So there's all kinds of stuff there if you wanna explore and and not too much because again, just, just get started is really my advice. <laughs>
0: Fair, fair. Lucy, my final question for you. If you had the opportunity to teach a 16-week class to a group of graduating college seniors on a topic that isn't normally covered in the classroom, what would you teach and why would you teach it?
1: You know what? I would bring back home ec for everybody. Um, <laughs> we, we, we We're missing that, you know? Like, Everybody's parents work. It's not like your mom is, you know, 1950s style teaching you everything. Um, so yeah, everybody needs to learn like how to, you know, how to cook and clean and organize and mow the lawn and all that kind of stuff. And, and so even like, I'd bring back home for sure. <laughs> for everybody. That, that,
0: that probably should be a staple at least somewhere in the college curriculum, because that would be super useful. Just knowing how to cook maybe four to five basic meals is a surprising thing that a majority of my friends don't know how to do.
1: Yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: (laughs) Well, Lucy, this has been awesome. Thanks for giving me so much time on the podcast. Uh, I'm super looking forward to staying connected with you and, and seeing your journey.
1: Well, thank you so much, Justin. This has been really fun.
0: Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. If you like this conversation today, be sure to subscribe so you'll be notified about new episodes. If you want to connect with me, send me a message on Instagram. I'm at Justin Lee Peters. You can find show notes with links to everything we discussed today at justinpeters.co. This episode was produced by Gabby Dimeke. I'm your host,
1: Justin Peters. Thanks for tuning in.